1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. You know, here in a few days, we'll be getting away for a few days, and we're going to a place where, uh, next to my home, it's the best place I've ever found to pray. Somebody might say, that's crazy. You would pick a place to go get away based on uh, what it's like to pray there. Well, yeah, because it's such a part of my life. You know, we live in a day and an age where nobody gives credit to anybody or anything or gives credit to God. But I feel compelled to mention a name. You know, he's he messed up. He's fallen into disfavor. But Larry Lee, when we came back from Africa, uh, had 5 a.m. prayer out in Rockwall, Texas. It was probably one of the biggest churches in America at that point. And uh, I'd go over about once a week to 5 a.m. prayer. And you understand to get to Rockwall, well, I'd have to leave probably at 4.15. And uh, so he would come and sit next to me, and he befriended me. And uh, then later he wrote a book, The Hour That Will Change Your Life, I think it was called. And it was in 1985 I began praying an hour a day. Now, you don't have to pray an hour a day. You know, I do this full time, and I realize you don't do this full time. But the point is that we were discussing last week, that when you come across weak faith, it's a sign, weak faith is a sign of weak fellowship. And the way we fellowship with God is we fellowship with God through the written word of God, and we fellowship with God in prayer. And I said, obviously people will say, well, I don't have time for that. And I liken, I don't have time for that to the response people have on tithing. Well, I don't have enough to do that. Well, you do. You know, you got your direct TV bill, you got your iTunes account, you got your smartphone bill. Oh my gosh, remember when you could buy a smartphone for, you know, next to nothing, and now they're more than a grand a pop. Uh, see, they got you addicted. It's like, you know, uh, giving you a free hit of crack, and that's it, you know, you're gone. And uh, you have the money. It's just a matter of what are you doing with it. Amen. Uh, don't, don't, sometimes I think we're going to get the, we're going to get before God and he's, we're going to tell him we didn't have the money and he's going to call up our Amazon account. <laughs> Amen. Tell your neighbor, you have the money. Yeah. Well, in the same way, you have the time. Amen. And the way I solved my time issue, I just, I just started, I just got up an hour early and just knocked it out. And we said last Wednesday, I mean, you know, Fred Price used to pray at night. No point in me praying at night. I'll fall asleep. Kenneth Hagin used to pray in bed. No point in me praying in bed. Uh, so you, you have to find what works for you. And whatever works for you, well, then that works for you. And for me, I got to get up. And when I was at Miami University, when I was supposed to be studying chemistry and biology and all of that stuff, I was studying Finus Jennings Dake. I read everything he wrote. 
in that year at Miami University. Then I went to Central Bible College, and in those two years, when I was supposed to be studying whatever they were teaching me, uh, I read everything Finney wrote, everything Finney wrote, because he was the greatest American evangelist. He was probably the greatest soul winner, American soul winner that, that operated in America. T.L. Osborne was the greatest American soul winner that operated worldwide. I'm talking about in America. And Finney would pray in the woods. That caught my attention. He walked and prayed. He prayed in the woods. So you don't have to pray in the woods. The point is, you, you need to find a situation where there's not a lot of noise going off. That's why Jesus talked about, you know, when you go into your closet to pray. He, he wasn't saying you got to go into a closet to pray. But some of you have enough children in your house, you probably have to go into a closet to pray. So the point is, you know, you just need to get, you need to, you need to get a spot. You need, to, you need to get a time. You need to get a routine and uh, whatever, whatever that is that works for you. Amen. I love when we go visit Derek and Christina. They live in a little private neighborhood out in the middle, you know, out far enough to where nobody even knows where it, where it is. And, and uh, one way to the end and then one way to the other end and then doing one street twice is exactly four miles and it just works, it just works, it just works. And, uh, you know, there's a rule there that, that we, none of us probably ought to live anywhere where people don't wave to you when they drive by. And uh, if it's really a cool place, they do that little finger wave off the steering wheel. But, uh, you know, you get in the city, they don't care if you live or die or fall dead. But uh, you get out a little bit, amen, it's just friendly, amen. And uh, fellowship with God. I'm horrified. You're going to find out Sunday how horrified I am at what's going on right now. People we thought we knew are full of fear. People we thought we knew, you know, they're, they're not holding church. People we thought we knew, they're in therapy. Literally, I'm not making this up, in therapy. How can you know God? I'm not talking about going to marriage counseling because, you know, your husband's a jerkwad. I understand that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like being in therapy. How can, you, how can somebody be, how can somebody know Jesus and, and be in therapy? How can, how can anybody, how can anybody be in the word of God and need that? And you know, the thing about prayer, it's free. There's your 400 bucks to throw in the tithe bucket right there. Every, every week. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he's just trying to help you. So we've been talking about the new birth, the recreation of the spirit man. You understand your body wasn't saved, your soul wasn't saved. What's in your, what, what is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 says you got to do something with your body. Romans 12, 1 says you got to do something with your body. Romans 12, 2 says you got to do something with your mind because your body and your mind weren't saved. So you got to do something with them. So we've been talking about this new birth, and we're saying that the new birth and righteousness are to one end. What's it all about? that we may enjoy the sweetest fellowship with Father God and with His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Fellowship is the parent of real faith. I left off last Wednesday saying that your average Christian doesn't even know who they're praying to. Yeah. 
They, they don't even know who they're talking about on Sunday. And I mentioned David. The, David's the one that wrote Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. David was a warrior. He was a warrior. He wouldn't be an invited guest speaker in most churches today, I'll tell you that. He's a rough boy. But God loved him. And he spent time with God. That's what all those psalms are. All those lonely nights. He was the youngest. So he got stuck with a duty nobody wanted. He got stuck watching those sheep at night. And how did he pass the time? Singing to God. And he's exactly what, you know, what, what churches are not full of today. He's guarding the sheep and a, a bear comes along and he attacked the bear. You know, people today, man, they'd run. A lion comes along and he, he, he attacked the lion. He killed the bear. He killed the lion. That's why he had the courage to go up against Goliath. He thought, he told Saul, well, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like that lion and that bear. He was a bad boy, but he knew God. He prayed. Yeah, you show me a beta male sissy and I'll show you somebody's not praying. Because you can't talk to the one I'm talking to and stay like that. God's not a beta. No beta would have a place called hell. But he has a place called hell. It's all real. Tell your neighbor, it's all real. Now, you can think whatever you want. You know, I see new people. You could be judging me and think, man, I'm out of here. Look, you can think whatever you want, but in a few short months or years, you're going to come into the reality of what is. That's right. Amen. And your theories, ideas, opinions will not matter, and there'll be no ACLU lawyer there. There'll be no appeal. There'll be no way of escape. Right. You'll walk right into it. Amen. Truth. Amen. Truth. Yes. So may as well deal with the truth now. Amen. No, he's... So the whole objective of this recreation of the human spirit, see, just too many people in, in 2022 think of it as a get-out-of-jail-free card. It was never intended for that. It was intended to restore the relationship of man to Father God. That's what it's all about. And we've missed that. And because people don't spend time with God in his word, and because people don't spend time with God in prayer, there is a lack of faith. Fellowship is the parent of real faith. If you find someone whose faith is weak, you may know that his fellowship has been broken or that it is a, of a low type, a low quality. It's fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer that feeds faith. It's, it's fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer that feeds faith. You get strong. You get strong. You take it all for granted here. But it's time in the word and time spent with God in prayer that makes us strong. You take it all for granted here. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been on vacation, let's say in the last 12, 18 months, and while you were on vacation, you visited a church and you were horrified at the pusillanimous message while you were there? Let me see your hand. Lift it up high. Let people see. Okay, so what I'm saying is you take this for granted, that we're teaching the Bible, that we're holding church, 
that we're not afraid. We don't believe no ghost. You see what I'm saying? In other words, you take it all for granted. But there are entire states. There are entire countries. And this whole evil thing that they're running here, uh, part of the fringe benefit, I think the, there, there were several objectives, totalitarianism, uh, get rich, but then part, one of the fringe benefits was shutting down churches. You know, when they did the first lockdown, and even here in Texas, they locked down for a few weeks, you know, uh, I'd go past a field with uh, Austin or Sue, and, and you go past a field with cows. What do those cows do? They congregate. You, you drive past a field of horses. What do those horses do? They congregate. And I'd tell my family, those are critters, and they're social. So human beings are social. So what's it doing to human beings to tell them to stay away from each other? What is it doing? We just watched an interview uh, last night or two nights ago, Dr. Robert Malone, and he was talking about the damage being done to children with the masking, the social distancing, and the isolation and the lockdowns. We're going to have a whole generation of neurotic basket cases or sociopath criminals because they're, they, they don't know how, they're, they're not learning how to interact with other people. Are you hearing me? Yes. Amen. And a lot of this is the fault of the preachers. I walked outside a few weeks back. He's after me to say this. I don't want to say it, but he's mentioned it to me two or three times while I'm standing here. So here we go. So I, I walk out the front door a few weeks ago and he says to me, have you noticed? Have you noticed? that wherever the anointing is present in a state, they're, they're not locked down. Come on. And I'm not going to name the preachers, but I'm telling you, you think of a certain state, and you can't even name an anointed minister of the gospel. They're locked down. Countries. Nada. But where the anointing of the Lord is, I'll tell you what, we ought to celebrate the anointing. Amen, because, you know, you want to know what's rare on the earth is anointing. Amen. Amen. And where does anointing come from? <laughs> you know, I wish to God it came from eating a certain breakfast. I mean, I wish to God. No, no, no. Anointing comes by spending time with God in his word and spending time with God in prayer. Those two things we can control, we have influence over. But then there's the third factor that people don't like, get bent out of shape about, and that is this. You cannot manufacture a call. There's just nothing as pitiful as somebody trying to preach the gospel and they ain't got it. So, you know, you're called or you're not. But how many were called and they don't spend time with God and his word? So they have no anointing. How many were called and they don't spend time with God in prayer? So they have no anointing. They were called. And they'll give an account. In our day, people speak of quality time. I, we left off on this, which has a point to it, but can also be a load of nonsense. Why? Because in a marriage, for example, you simply cannot have quality time without a quantity of time. 
So you can't go outside. You can't just say, I'm going to have two minutes of quality time with God. You can't have quality without a certain amount of quantity. In 2020, 2021, I've become increasingly confident that those ministers who have demonstrated weak faith, weak faith or no faith in the face of this plague are also those who spend little quantity of time in the Word of God and they spend little quantity of time in prayer. They're weak because their faith is weak. And their faith is weak because they have no fellowship with God through His Word and they have no fellowship with God through prayer. They're weak. They're weak. You know, the Bible says we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's what ought to be coming out of our mouth. Not, you know, we're weak and we're confused and we don't know what to do and we don't know where to turn and all of that nonsense. No, say it out loud. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This coming Sunday, Austin, I'll lay hands on a thousand people. We're not, we won't think a thing about it. We're not going to be the least bit worried about it. We'll have no hand sanitizer up here. We're not going to spray you with Lysol while you're in the line. We're not afraid. Amen. See, if you can't picture Elijah or Elisha or Jesus doing it, you shouldn't be doing it. You know, there's a word of faith guy last year laying hands on the sick with uh, Playtex kitchen gloves. You know, I mean, look, if you can't picture Elijah or Elisha or Jesus doing it, you ought not do it. Amen. Amen. All low-grade faith comes from a low grade of fellowship, a low grade of fellowship with God by not spending time in His Word, and a low grade of fellowship with God by not spending time in prayer. In our relationship with Father God, the Holy Spirit has given us the way to restore broken fellowship if fellowship is broken. This is in 1 John. This short epistle was written to tell us how to maintain our fellowship and how to restore it when it is broken. 1 John 1, verses 3 and 4, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So here he's talking about fellowship one with another. Now in the last week or two on Wednesday nights, we talked about what fellowship hath light with darkness. And people just... Do not pay enough attention to basic things out of the New Testament. So we get around some family sometimes, and, you know, we eat a meal, and, and we knock it out. But that, to me, is not fellowship. I, I, I get more fellowship in the fellowship atrium. I get more fellowship with my family of faith here at Faith Christian Center than I do hanging out with relatives. But see, we have things in common based on what we believe. There's a fellowship between us based on what we believe. This is the problem with evangelistic dating. You know, if you take, if you have a, a, a bowl, let's say, of peaches on the kitchen island, and one is bad and 11 are good, why do the 11 not make the bad one good? The bad one makes the 11 bad. And we've got people, even here tonight, that you succeeded in evangelistic dating. And I say salute, hats off. But, of course, you understand we're not going to recommend that to the young people. I mean, it might work one time out of three. But we're not, you think I'm going to recommend that to my grandchildren? No. 
We have to, we need to connect with people of like faith and like mind. That's where we have fellowship. That's where we have fellowship. So he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you, may, you, you also may have fellowship with us. And, and we're unapologetic about it. That's why at Faith Christian Center, we'll tell you about the healing miracles. We'll tell you about the prosperity miracles. We'll tell you about the financial miracles because we're testifying to what we have seen and heard. We're testifying to what God has done for us. And that solves its own problem because if you got people and they say, well, I'm believing that, well, that solves its own problem. They can, because if they don't get born again, they'll never understand it. If they don't stop rejecting the written word of God, they'll never understand it. You come, faith is something you come into. But I'll tell you this, once you go to God in prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and God answers a prayer, you're gone. And, and nobody can ever convince you otherwise. Amen. Once you go to God in prayer, in the name of Jesus, and you get a prayer answered. And the problem is probably the majority of people in America today who say they're Christians have never even had a prayer answered. They don't even know what you're talking about. And so when you, you say, well, God gave me this job, or God did this, or God, they think you're lying, you're making it up, you're fundraising, whatever they think, because it's never happened for them. But we're testifying at Faith Christian Center. We're just telling what's happened. The God, God, our Father God is healed and he is blessed and he is saved and he is maintained and he is protected and he is restored and he is blessed and he is prospered. We're just telling you what has happened. So joy cannot be made full without full of fellowship. He says we write this to make our joy complete. Verses 5 and 6, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. We, we read the last two Wednesdays, what fellowship hath light with darkness? That's Paul's writing. Here the apostle John says, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But this is what God's people are doing. Let me ask you a question. If if this is not what God's people are doing, why, why do they get so offended when they come in and hear the, the word of God read or the word of God preached? You know, Kenneth Hagin used to say that a lot of Christians are living their life like they're walking down a hallway that's darkened and they can't see and they're feeling their way along. That's no way to live. You can stumble, you can trip, you can fall. Something could be there, you don't see it. And then if you're walking in the dark, you don't know where you're going. And actually, it's worse than that. You're not plotting a course. You're just feeling your way along the hallway. So you're just going wherever the hallway goes. You don't even know where you're going. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. God's word is truth. Say it out loud. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. So God is light, and as long as you are in fellowship with him, you are in the light. But the instant your fellowship is broken, you go back into the darkness. Hatred is darkness. 
and hatred blinds our spiritual eyes. Chapter 2, verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. It's not that you're blind, but your eyes were designed to operate in the light. Same thing spiritually. It's not that people are spiritually blind, but God designed their spiritual eyes to operate like their natural eyes, and that is to operate in the light. If you're operating in the dark naturally, it's like you were blind. But if you're operating in the spirit without the light, you're not blind, but it's like you're blind. Does that make sense? Such a man is out of fellowship. He's walking in darkness. He does not know where he's going. How many Christians are like that? They refuse to walk in the light of the word, so they spend their entire lives walking in the darkness like a blind man, feeling his way down a hallway by reaching out and feeling for the wall. So walking in fellowship requires walking in love because hatred is darkness. We just read that in 1 John 2. Every step out of love is a step out of fellowship. Every step out of love is a step into darkness. A fundamental basic fact of every covenant from Abraham forward is this. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. And we give too little thought to, have I been a blessing in this conversation? Have I been a blessing in this transaction? Have I been a blessing in this business endeavor? Have I been a blessing? We give too little thought to that because that is fundamental of every covenant from Abraham going forward. You know, the easiest way to make more money on the job is become indispensable. If you're indispensable, <laughs> you know. Lady was telling me right out here a few weeks ago, she, she got canned because she didn't submit to the mandate and then got hired back at four times the pay because when they hire these people back on contract, they're, they're skipping the mandate. It's a racket. The whole thing is a racket. The whole thing is so ridiculous. If it was really a plague, why would they be firing medical people? And if they have time to dance and do TikToks, well, apparently it's not that big a deal. Now, I'm saying it's a, it's a, it's a big deal for people to catch it, but we, I'm not going to catch it. Amen. Amen. And, and sometimes, you know, I feel my body fighting something, but, you know, I handle it readily, easily. You know, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. And I'm 66. If, you, if I can handle it, you can handle it. Amen. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is how we... This is how we walk together as brothers and sisters in the Lord. If I'm walking in the light, you're walking in the light. You know, I mean, I can have a friend that's a female and nothing inappropriate about it. Because if I'm walking in the light, I'm not going to use her. I'm not going to abuse her. I'm not going to take advantage of her. If she's walking in the light, she's not going to try and do something to me. Do you understand that? I, I mean, I, I, can, I can have all kinds of friends of all different kinds of nationalities and races and colors and backgrounds and native languages. Why? If I'm walking in the light and they're walking in the light, well, we're walking together. Amen. None of, all that's superficial. 
That's all superficial. And these people have spent all these decades dividing us. They divide us. They divide us. They divide us. You know, uh, they divide us on white and black. They divide us on rich and poor. They divide us, and now they're dividing uh, vaxxed and unvaxxed. They divide, they divide, they divide. Because when people are in unison, you can't control them. So this is what they do. They divide. They divide. See, when you drove onto this property, you didn't just come into a faith bubble, man. You came into a, you came into a peace bubble. You came into a, a, a multicultural bubble. You came into a multinational bubble. We got all kinds of bubbles here. It's like a bathtub. <laughs> but what it is, it's the Word of God working. Can you see that? It's the word, because if I'm walking in the light, you're walking in the light, we can walk together. We're walking in the light together. Nobody's stumbling around in the darkness. Same thing in a marriage. You know, there's just no excuse for a guy being a butthole. And, and, and you know, any, any guy that's a butthole in marriage, well, he hasn't read and uh, believed and taken action on the writings of the Apostle Paul. It's just inexcusable. It's just inexcusable. Now, I'm not saying issues don't come up and, you know, sometimes words are spoken and sometimes somebody loses their cool. I understand all of that because you're talking about two human beings. I understand all of that. But what I'm saying is, then you go over to Peter. How about the apostle Peter? Let not the sun go down on your wrath. So, in other words, there's no way people can end up in the situations they're in when they're in the word of God and praying. It just can't happen. It just can't happen because it changes us. Fellowship with God through his word changes us and fellowship with God in prayer changes us. Amen. So what do we do if we sin and we lose our fellowship with God? Well, as we walk along in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses all the blunders and mistakes we make. 1 John 1.10, if we claim to, we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. And I, listen, I've met plenty of those people. I mean, you know, they act like they, ne- they never really did a thing wrong and their needing Jesus was a technicality. And a meaner bunch of timber rattlers I've never come across in my entire life. I call them goody two-shoes, and when I say that, I'm very cynical and sarcastic. (laughs) I don't have any time or use for them. You watch me in that fellowship atrium. Uh, You watch me. Somebody come up to me. I mean, and and you know, there's a difference between tats and and jailhouse tats, and, and you watch me. You watch me. Somebody come up to me. I'm talking about rough, rough as a cob. I mean, I'm talking about with the markings of the world all over them. You watch me. I'll greet them, I'll hug their neck. Men that have been in prison a decade or more. Because see, he who has been forgiven much loves much. But when Goody Two-Shoes comes by, you know, I'll I'll just give them the Randolph Scott, you know. No, if we claim we have not sinned, we're liars. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, Paul wrote. Amen? Amen. On the contrary, verses 8 and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins. The Bible actually says in Proverbs that if you you do not 
if you do not confess and reveal your sins, you won't prosper. I mean, there's a famous guy, I won't mention his name, but he was president for the last four years, and he said he never, he never had to repent of anything because he never did anything wrong. That right there is clue number one of what you're dealing with. My gosh, how the church has fallen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And don't waste your time praying. Don't waste your time praying. Don't waste your time praying with unconfessed sin in your heart. First thing I do when I walk out that door in the morning is I check myself. And I ask him, Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in my heart? There's no point spending an hour and not being heard. Not, not, not in my thinking. So job number one is, and in the communion passage, is that 1 Corinthians 15? If we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. There's no reason to not judge yourself because we have a way of forgiveness. There's no reason to not judge yourself because we have been given a way to be forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. We're not counting on our justice. We're not counting on our righteousness. We are counting on his justice. We are counting on his righteousness. We're not counting on what we have done. We're counting on what he has done. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's not just that he forgives us of our sins, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. See, if, if he just forgave us of our sins, that would be of some value, but what happens in the next five minutes? But he, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. So we once again have the ability to go right back into his presence. This scripture was not written to the world. It was written to the church, the family of God. And it has to do with broken fellowship. The, the instant that you confess your sins in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in that very instant, he is faithful and righteous and just to forgive you of your sins. In that instant. Now, you are to forgive yourself and forget your sins and go on in love and walk in love with him. Because Satan, Satan's a dog, he'll come along and he'll get you to meditate on all your failings. For you to continually remind yourself of your past errors and sins is to deny the efficacy of his work upon the cross and his forgiveness and the value of his word. We're not to walk by how we feel, we are to walk by the word of God. Amen. Chapter 2, verse 1, my dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. He's not writing this to give us a license to sin. He's, he's writing this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is, this is the saddest part of the whole thing, the whole message of the gospel, he is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He died for everyone, but not everyone is appropriating what he did. Now, if you'll take that sentence and apply that sentence to various promises in the word of God, you'll understand the faith message. He is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. And yet they're slipping into hell every moment of every day. Why? Because they didn't hear, they didn't believe, they didn't take action, and they didn't walk in it. Now you can take that sentence and apply it to any promise in the word of God and you got the faith message. One of the gutsiest and strongest California preachers in this whole Governor Newsom insanity has been a guy that is a Holy Spirit denier. My, 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 my. Why are full gospel people not embarrassed? A Holy Spirit denier. See, in other words, that's something that God has made available to all. But if you don't believe it, if you don't hear it, if you don't take action on it, if you don't walk in it, you cannot enjoy the benefits of it. And the same thing is true with healing. Same thing is true with prosperity. Same thing is true with all of it. I was at an Ed Cole event. Must have been 30 years ago over in Dallas one of those hotels in the ballroom and they set me down with a bunch of Southern Baptist guys and they were all nice guys. You know, we got along great. And, but one of them said, he said, now, now, Dr. Gene, he said, you know, when you call yourself full gospel, he said, that almost implies that we're not preaching part of it. And I said, and your question is? <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching all of it. All of it that I can find. Amen, all of it, and that's why you got to do the annual Bible reading so you know what's in there. How can you believe for something of which you are ignorant? How can you believe for something of which you are ignorant? You can't. So first off, you got to have revelation. And revelation comes by the written word of God. And revelation comes by the Holy Spirit of God, but the revelation we get from the Holy Spirit of God, we have got to double check against the written word of God to make sure that it's not because we had too much broccoli the night before or cauliflower or pizza or whatever it was. I mean, I've had a lot of bright ideas in my lifetime. That doesn't mean they were all God. That's why sometimes when something comes to me, I'll tell the Lord, now if that's you, you bring that back to me. I just forget about it until, and let him bring it back to me. There are other times, there are other times that, was that last year, May, June, last year? I mean, man, he, he brought a conversation back to me. It must have been 15 times in three or four days, conversation that I'd had with Kenneth Hagin Sr., and I knew what he meant by that. And so, you know, we sent the Bible school up there, $100,000, and that was in, that, not last year, that was 2020. Yeah, that was in the midst of the hyper hysteria. Of course, now that everything is not working, now they're getting actually crazier than they've ever been. They're like piranha. 
You know, they're just going nuts. But 2020, think of it. 2020, think of it. This building, this property was not paid off. Think of it. It doesn't take me long to obey God. I mean, like that, you know. I called the office and, and, or texted or emailed whatever I did, sent 100 grand up there to that Bible school. And uh, before the month was out, before the month was out, before the month was out, 100 grand gift walked right back in the door. And this is the world I live in. See, see you, you, you don't understand the world I live in. You know, I mean, I got little white boy in here upset with me. But the world I live in, that was an African immigrant brought that 100 grand in here. Was that either May or June of 2020? See, that's the world I live in. And that's why don't be telling me something can't be done. If somebody can be born in another country and come here and succeed and do that well and make that kind of money, really, I don't want to hear about your problems. Just get up and get after it. Is that right? Just, just believe you can do it. And get out there and do it. Amen. I don't be offended because I said white boy. I'm a white boy. <laughs> if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Ouch. Say ouch. ouch. I don't know if, how do I know if I'm really born again? Well, are you obeying his commands? We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys the word, God's love is truly made complete in him. That's another kind of person I've met over these 48 years since I've been preaching the gospel. People talking about love all the time, but they don't. They're not doers of the word of God. I mean, I don't trust them any further than I can pick them up and throw them. I, I, I don't go by the love coming out of your mouth. I go by the love that's shown to me through your deeds and actions. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now think about... That guy, that word of faith guy, praying, laying hands on people in 2020 using Playtex kitchen gloves. And think about what this says here in 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Can you picture it? Can you picture Jesus wearing kitchen gloves, laying hands on the sick? Can you picture it? Well, then don't do it. He was not afraid. See, part of what gives us the steel is living in Africa. There was a man at the post office that was a leper. Never saw anything like it in my life. His fingers were gone. His nose was gone. His ears were gone. The leprosy was eating away at him. I couldn't count how many tens of thousands of people I've laid hands on in Africa. I couldn't count them. I have no idea. But, you know, the United States of America is like a sanitary Petri dish compared to most of the world. But people, you know, afraid. 
you know, I grew up, I don't mean to be vulgar, but I'm just telling you my perspective. You know, I grew up and, you know, my first earliest recollections of my mother's parents, they had an outhouse for one of my, their birthdays, I don't remember, or it was an anniversary, one of my uncles built them an indoor plumbing bathroom at the back of the house. But my earliest recollections, you know, we went out, you know, we found us a spot or we went out to the barn. You just had to avoid where other people had been, you know. And uh, at my, my father's mother's house, there was an outhouse. And I, I distinctly remember the black widow spiders and the brown recluse spiders. You had to watch out for them. You didn't just sit down. <laughs> my Aunt Inez, her, her outhouse fell down. And so her husband thought he was really doing something for her. He built her a two-seater. And it just... <laughs> It just alarmed the heck out of me because there was no partition. And, and, you know, I was just a little boy and I was just afraid out of my mind that I'd be in there and somebody else would come in. <laughs> but to be afraid. Now, we need to renew our mind to the Word of God. And listen. This is true about marriage. This is true about money. This is true about our bodies. This is true about our vocations, our careers. We, we need to renew our mind to the written word of God and spend time in prayer until we come into agreement with him. And that's what our message is. I'm in agreement with him. I'm in agreement with him on money. I'm in agreement with him on my health. I'm in agreement with him on marriage. I'm in agreement with him. And that, that's what gives our words power when we agree with him. And you don't think this cancel culture is really about a bug, do you? It's about the gospel. It's about the word of God. They're trying to get a law passed in Italy that if you even refer to the book of Genesis, they can put you in prison. So cancel culture is about the word of God. Jesus is our righteous advocate. He can, this is my point, I'm going to end with this. He can go into the Father's presence when we feel like we're under condemnation and shrink back from meeting with Father God. We have an advocate. Advocate is a synonym for attorney. He, he is always righteous. See, he is always righteous, so he can always plead our case. And the instant we ask our Father's forgiveness, Jesus takes up our case before the Father, and our fellowship is restored. Jesus reminds him, I died for him. I died for her. They're coming in my name. There's no need of walking in broken fellowship a single minute after you have committed sin because you can, you can confess it in the name of Jesus and you can ask his forgiveness, Father God's forgiveness. See, the devil is the author of that sin. But then to walk in broken fellowship with God, grieving over your blunder is only to add to the joy and the glory to the devil. You're letting the devil succeed in your life. And, and this is, and I guess this is funny, but God's not like your wife. You know, as Sue's gotten older, we don't do this anymore. But, you know, used to there was like the three-day penalty box deal. <laughs> now, I'm not going to ask the guys for a show of hands, but uh, maybe wink at me if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so God's not like that. 
I mean, instantly. So some of you women need to get to be more like Jesus. That's my take on it. The instant you have done wrong and your fellowship is impaired, just, just go to Father God in the name of Jesus and ask for forgiveness and instantly. Why? See, we're not counting on our righteousness. We're not counting on us being just. We're, we're counting on him. And we're not counting on what we have done. We're counting on what Jesus has done. And he forgives. He's wonderful. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's kind. That's all true. But you don't want to be a rebel. And if you're a rebel tonight, turn and repent and give your life to God. Because I'm telling you what, he will repay every rebel to their face. This guy leading the damage being done to our world and our country, he is so old. He shouldn't be thinking about the next chunk of money he, he's going to be making. He ought to be thinking uh, about eternity. But see, they're not believers. They're not believers. They're not believers. They're not believers. They think they're headed for the big dirt nap. And so they're just going to rape and pillage and loot and steal and take advantage of people until, like some critter, they take the big dirt nap. But they have no idea. You know, a couple of Sundays ago, we rehearsed all the prophecies about Jesus that came to pass. And we gave you the references on all the prophecies and the references on all the fulfillment, more than 300 promises, excuse me, prophecies in the word of God that came to pass. There's not a faith or a religion in the world besides Christianity that even can show one prophecy that's come to pass. But just in the life of Jesus, there were over 300 and they all came to pass. So I declare without apology and I'm not the least bit concerned about who it would offend. The Bible is the Word of God. And the Word of God is the Bible. And we need to pay heed right here, right now, because even if you don't think you're being judged by the Word right here, right now, it'll only be a matter of months or years, and you'll walk right into it, and you will be judged by the written Word of God. Better to hear it, believe it, take action on it, and walk in it on the positive side all the years of your life than to ignore it, disbelieve it, and walk into the negative side on the other side. I'm going to say a word to some of you people out there. I don't know who's watching. But you're, you're giving the Lord Jesus Christ a, a bad reputation and a black eye when you grieve and mourn and weep and wail over believers who have passed from this life into the next man you need to get in the word of God you need to renew your mind to the word of God you need to let what the word of God says about believers in Christ departing from this life come out of your mouth and not the words of this world because you're giving the gospel and you're giving 
the word of God and you're giving Father God and you're even giving the Lord Jesus Christ a black eye. If you find out one of these days I'm gone, don't, don't weep or wail for me. Don't even grieve or mourn. Don't give it another thought because I will be on the other side in the city of God dancing on streets of gold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll be looking for you. Some of you I'll see and some of you I won't, but I'll be looking for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I will be full of joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll be in a better place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't, don't do it. Don't agree with these rascals. Don't agree with these fear peddlers. Don't you do it. If you don't know what to say, just say nothing. You know, just suffer in silence and be afraid in silence. Amen. But, but don't let it come out of your mouth because until it comes out of your mouth, it's not real in your life. But when it comes out of your mouth, you owned it. Hallelujah. 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 Now I'm going out of victory. Lift both hands. Say, I'm going out of victory. The Lord, my God, makes his word come to pass in my life. Hallelujah. I'm going out of victory. The Lord, my God, protects us. The Lord, my God, blesses us. The Lord, my God, prospers us. And that's true today. And every day I have left on this planet. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.